Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest in this episode of The Emma Gunn Show is sportscaster, gold medalist, and author Victoria Arlen. And when it comes to a story of emotional, mental and physical resilience, Victoria's is an incredible one. At the age of just 11, Victoria contracted two rare autoimmune diseases. One of them would have been bad enough, but the two combined had such a devastating impact on her health that she describes it as though she just gradually shut down. She lost her ability to speak, to walk, even to blink. For four years, aged 11 to 15, she was locked in aware of everything that was happening around her, but completely unable to communicate, not even to blink to let the people around her, her family and her doctors know that she was still in there. Where on earth does your mind go? How do you survive? Well, this is something Victoria explains in this episode, and she also gives an insight into the ferocious drive that's seen her go from strength to strength since her recovery. Because her recovery is incredible. From one blink, that one blink that let her mum know her daughter wasn't lost, which is what all the doctors had concluded. From that one blink, Victoria learned to walk again, made up the lost time at school to graduate alongside her brothers, won a gold medal for swimming at the 2012 Paralympics and is now a sportscaster for ESPN. And she also competed on Dancing with the Stars in the US and made it to the semi-finals. I mean, that is some recovery. But with such an incredible story at such a young age, I was curious about being defined by something that in reality you may want to move away from. Victoria is 26 now and is clearly a hardworking, highly motivated woman who believes anything is possible and will pursue her goals relentlessly. And it's why she's experienced such success. But what we discuss in this conversation is when the thing that people celebrate about you is attached to your most painful and traumatic memories. I've said this on the show before, but success has become almost fetishized in the current cultural climate, which sometimes leaves out the struggle, the failure, and the pain that can go hand in hand with any journey that leads to success. But then with Victoria's story, when is it appropriate or okay to detach from the difficult part of the journey, to not be defined by the struggle or the pain, and to be allowed to move on? I'm not sure there's a right answer, but I can't think of anyone better than Victoria to muse on this. I will, of course, share the links to Victoria in the show notes. And I have to say, listeners, this was such a powerful conversation. I really, I knew Victoria's story, but when I got on that Zoom call with her, I liked her very, very much. And she was so open, so honest and so thoughtful. She's such a generous guest. And I hope that you can feel that too when you listen to this. But please do join me in welcoming because I'm delighted to have her on the show. It's Victoria Arlen on The Emma Gunn Show. Listeners, it is my absolute honor to be welcoming Victoria Arlen onto The Emma Gunn Show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so well, thank you. And I'm so delighted to have you on the show. And I'm so pleased to be having this conversation with you because you have... I mean, it's such an incredible story. Thank you. (laughs) But I say that, and there's a part of me that wants to sort of almost apologize for saying that because 
if you focus on the nice part of it, which is mm-hmm. where you are now, then it is an incredible story. But for a long time, it was not a story yeah. that seemed like it would have a happy ending. And you were in a very complicated place. Yeah. So I wondered if you wouldn't mind, because we're going to get straight into it, listeners, mm-hmm. explaining to the listeners what exactly happened in that place that you found yourself in. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's thank you for saying that because I feel like it's so funny. And I've I've shared my story for many years and on many different platforms, but that is always the interesting like theme where people are like, oh, the story, but here you are and like all the good things. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, there's a lot in there where they're like, you must never have a bad day. And I'm like, well, okay, I don't, that's not realistic. Um, but we'll get into that later. But uh, basically what happened is when I was 11 years old, I developed two incredibly rare neurological conditions that basically shut down my entire body. And so they attacked my brain and my spinal cord. Um, and they were known, uh, they were, they're, called transverse myelitis and acute disseminated encephalomyelitis. So it's a bit of a mouthful, but basically these two conditions um, are autoimmune based and they attack your central nervous system. And so it was this super rare scenario to get both. You normally just get one. Um, But as my dad has said, he's like, well, you just seem to go big (laughs) and just kind of go for it. And so um, very quickly, I went from being, you know, the kid who never got sick to the every other week, something was going wrong, but I always bounced back. And then um, in April of 2006, I didn't, I got started having flu like symptoms and this really intense pain on my right side. And so they thought it was appendicitis and they took out my appendix. And from there that seemed to kind of set off the storm. And so all of a sudden I started losing the ability to walk. I started losing the ability to sit up, to move. All my fine motor skills were disappearing. My voice was disappearing. And it was almost as if someone was just shutting off all the switches and no one really knew what was going on. And initially doctors, um, because I'm a triplet and because they didn't know what was wrong and didn't want to admit what was wrong, uh, they told my parents that I was doing it for attention. And we would later find out that, that window in which they were telling my parents I was ultimately crazy was actually the treatment window for those two conditions where had they instead brought a neurologist in and neurology team in and treated me with steroids, it all could have been avoided. And so they didn't. And so they very much, they very much went down that path. And then it really wasn't until I was pretty much catatonic that they were like, Oh, something's wrong here. And then, you know, from there, there was just a lot of crappy stuff that happened, but basically I slipped into this vegetative state in which then doctors pretty much wrote me off as a lost cause. And they were telling my parents, like, she's not going to make it. And if she does make it, the Victoria once knew is never coming back. She'll never be a functioning member of society. She'll never, you know, she'll never amount to anything and that you should just put her in a special care facility. And whatever time you do have left with her, you know, just go say your goodbyes and move on with your life. And I'm one of triplets, as I mentioned earlier. And so I'm, I come from a family um, who is very much like they don't accept defeat and they don't accept that when things get tough to just kind of curl up in a ball. And so, um, and so my parents, you know, decided, well, whatever time we do have left with her, we want to love her and have her in our home. So they set up literally a hospital room in our living room and had nursing care there. We had all the equipment there and what they didn't realize, what no one realized is I was completely aware the whole time. So I was locked in. So I'm trying to talk to people and get people's attention and no one's listening. And then I'm realizing, oh my gosh, they have no idea that I'm in here. And so in that moment, I had really two options. I was like, okay, I'm going to wallow in this and fall apart and and write my obituary, which I was smart enough to be like, well, I'm going to kind of say my relative goodbyes because you know, I mean, the reality of the situation is pretty bad, but I also was like, I'm also going to make this bucket list. So I'll write my obituary, put that on the back burner. And this is all in my head. Like, this is all just me, like entertaining myself. And then I was like, and then I'm going to write this bucket list. I'm gonna write this crazy bucket list and, you know, let that be a sense of motivation for me that when I come out of this, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I want to do. And so it was one of those things that I just, I, I didn't have any other choice. And, it, and, and at that point, you know, when everything's taken away from you, 
where do you go? And so for me, that's actually where I found my faith and where I just started praying. I never really, I prayed, but I didn't know what praying was all about. And then I really was just kind of like, Hey God, if you could hear me, like it's me, but no one else can hear me. And, and, uh, and I remember at this point, um, you know, fast forward. And at this point, you know, I'd made it three and a half, almost four years. And I was so tired. And I was just, I was, I went from, you know, thinking about all the things I had to be grateful for every single day to just being like, I'm so tired and my body's breaking down and I'm in pain and no one knows I'm in here. And will someone just scratch my nose every now and then? And like, there was this, it just got to a point where I think we all reached that. We reached that breakdown where we reached that level of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I don't know how I'm going to put one foot in front of the other or how I'm going to bounce back from this. And I remember at that point kind of being like, I don't, I don't think I have much left in the tank. And, and I'm like, how, at, at what point do you go from, you know, you're obviously dreaming about what you're going to do, but then you're also at a point where you're like, I, I also don't know if I have tomorrow and I'm kind of sick of not knowing and little women, well, none of us know if we have tomorrow, but at this point, there's a, there's a good chance that I don't have tomorrow. And uh, I remember one night this nurse um, came into the room and she started choking me. And she's like choking me. And I, and I remember like waking up and and this is happening and I can't fight back. And I'm like, well, this is it. Like, this is, this is, this happened quick. Like this is where it goes. Cause at this point I was like, I I can't do this anymore. And I just kind of broke down. And so she's choking me to the point of like, I'm losing consciousness. Like I know I'm like, all right, this is how I die. Like at that point I stopped fighting. And that was probably the only, one of the only times I really just stopped fighting And I just kind of surrendered and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I think we've all reached that point when life and and circumstances in a sense choke us and you just can't do it anymore. And so that's where I was. And then I remember just being like, please just, just make it quick. Like I need to go. I I can't do this anymore. And, and uh, she, right as I was losing consciousness, she let go and she like ran out the room. And I remember like coming to and obviously I can't move, but I'm like, Oh my God, like what just happened? And it was like this light bulb moment for me that in that very moment of like losing consciousness, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is not how my story is going to end. Like my story is not going to end a defeat. And so I remember at that point in this like absolute level of like desperation, I just said, all right, God, between you and I, cause no one else can hear me. So hopefully you can hear me. But I was like, if you give me back my life, if you help me get out of this, because no one else seems to know how to get me out of this. If you help me get out of this and you give me a second chance and not just to, not just to survive anymore, but to really thrive and live, I will not waste a single moment. And I will go out and make every single moment count. I will go after all these crazy dreams I have, but along the way I will help people. And along the way I'll be a voice for other people like me and I will make a difference. I'll, I'll change the world. Like I was like, I I will do something with this second chance. And two weeks, almost to the day, I got control of my eyes and blinking. And that's how I started communicating and letting my family know that I was in there. And then from there, I, I kind of slowly made my recovery out of this vegetative state and doctors could not, did not know how or why. And my mom's like, we had prayer chains all over the world, praying for this little girl who no one knew you know, how, what was wrong with her and, and or how, if she was going to survive and, and literally just started coming back and, and everyone realized, wow, she's been in there this whole time and she's completely intact. And, and I think that was such a saving grace for me was knowing I still had my brain and knowing I had my mind because there's nothing scarier than the thought of like, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my memories. I'm going to lose everything that I am. And so having that every single day was like, okay, Victoria, you're still here. Like physically, not so much, but literally your brain is right there. And so, yeah, I, I really just dove into therapy and, and occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy. And, and they're like, okay, well, you'll be in a wheelchair the rest of your life. I was like, that's fine. I'll pimp out a wheelchair. I'm good with that. Like, I want to go back to school. I want to get, you know, I want to just start living my life. And so that's really kind of what happened. You know, I started to make my little comeback the beginning of 2010. And by that fall, I was back in school and, uh, and then I was back in the water swimming and then, yeah, it really kind of all just, you know, fell into place. And, and along the way, you know, I managed to graduate on time with my triplet brothers. So I made five years up in three years. 
I managed to um, make it pretty far in swimming and have some, some tremendous success, you know, representing my country and then even made it to ESPN as the youngest, you know, on-air host they've ever hired and started taking my experience, sharing my own story to tell other people's stories. And I started speaking all over the world and just sharing my story of, you know, rock bottom to, you know, making, climbing that mountain and making it, making it up there and, and everything along the way. And so um, it was, yeah, it was just a crazy thing. And then almost 10 years to the day of becoming paralyzed, um, thanks to the help of my family opening up this incredible neurological recovery center, I started walking. And then a year later, I danced on uh, Dancing with the Stars. And yeah, we're just just trying to make the most, trying to, you know, I, I gave you the Cliff Notes version, but I feel like we could talk for hours about it, but really trying to continue to live up to that promise. And a big, big thing I was able to do for that was um, four years ago, launching my foundation, the Victoria's Victory Foundation and helping other lost causes like myself and other individuals living with disabilities find their victory. And so, you know, it's, it's been really cool to, to turn this mess, you know, in this messy situation into a message and, and, you know, whether it was, you know, writing my book or sharing my story or, or sharing other people's story or using my platform to kind of remind people there's no such thing as a lost cause. Uh, I'm very much the living proof of that. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've, where I've come, you know, in, in a relatively short period of time, I'd say I got sick 15 years ago. So it's, uh, it's been quite, it's been quite the journey. And the thing that really strikes me about it is, is actually it's the four years. So yeah. 11, aged 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, mm-hmm. you are locked in. You are aware of your surroundings, but you have, don't have any control. Yeah. And so when you say there's no such thing as a lost cause, you heard those words because doctors yeah. were around your, but where I was the life. lost cause. And they were talking about you for four years, I, I guess, mm-hmm. as if you weren't in the room because they didn't yeah. think you were. No. And they would like laugh at my parents ha- for having hope. Like they would literally, you know, my parents be going and grabbing lunch or whatever. And they're like, can you believe this kid's parents think that like, she's coming out of this, like this kid's a goner. Like we've seen it before. This kid's a goner. And I'm like, what? Like, I was like, what are you talking about? I'm right here. And, uh, and I've seen, I, you know, I, it's funny. Cause a lot of those doctors later on, I would, I, I went to a few and, and they were very much like, this doesn't make sense. And then afterwards I found out through other people that like, they were big dancing with the stars fans or ESPN fans <laughs> or American Ninja Warrior junior fans. And so it's just funny. Cause it's a whole full circle thing where I'm like, like, who are you to play God here? And who are you to, to tell, you know, tell someone. And, and that's the thing with, with the mindset is it's like, if you, if you tell yourself you're a lost cause, you'll become a lost cause. But for me, like I kept telling myself, Victoria, you're going to be on ESPN one day. You're going to dance on dance with the stars one day. You're going to cook in your own kitchen one day. Like you're going to have this beautiful life. And I kept telling myself that, and that empowered me. And the moments where I had doubt or the moments where I was like, maybe I am a lost cause or here's my obituary. Goodbye family. Like that felt horrible. Like it didn't, it didn't suit me. And it almost made me feel like I was failing quicker. When if I'm like, if I have, you know, X amount of days left, then I'm going to live those days and love everything about it and not let, you know, the weight of this situation, like almost drag me down to the bottom quicker. What I find extraordinary is that you, was there panic? Was there fear? Were you frightened? Because we obviously, in a way, I guess, maybe you don't want to linger linger on that because obviously those must be very difficult memories. But the idea that at the age of 11, Mm. you suddenly realize that something is so wrong. You're definitely there. You're thinking, but you're having to almost suddenly philosophize about life and be be a grown up. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was the instinct in some way to just kind of like because you, I guess, you wanted to cry or scream, but none of those things were available to you. I couldn't do those. Yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, I think initially I was, I was not scared at first because I kept thinking I would get better the next day. So I kept thinking like I'm going back to dance class tomorrow. I'm going back to school tomorrow. Like I had this innocence of a, of a young kid that just didn't think like this isn't terminal. I'm not dying and. 
then there was moments where it, 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 I really was scared and I was terrified, but I also knew that like I had to fight and I had to, I honestly think the fear, the panic, all of the emotions I probably should have felt then I only just started dealing with like this last year with PTSD. Mm. Like, I feel like I suppressed it because I was in survival mode. So I went from survival mode to recovery mode, to catch up mode, to be the best, but prove them all wrong mode that until I actually stopped and said, okay, not only have I survived, recovered, caught up, like overshot anything that anyone would have predicted. And most, mostly what anyone would have done at, at my age, at least from my experience, then I, then it all hit. And then I was like, wow, I never dealt with, I never dealt with the fear. I never dealt with the panic. I never dealt with any of this and the trauma. And I always feel like trauma is like this lingering, like rain cloud. And every now and then it rains and you're kind of like, Oh, I'm just put my umbrella on. I'll just put my hood on. But it, until it fully like washes out you pretty much under and like, you know, it's until it's a full on hurricane, like you don't really deal with it. And mm -hmm. so I don't, I think at the time, like there was panic, there was fear, but I think there was the, the blessing of age on my side and being a naive, curious kid. But there was also like, I didn't have time for that. I was in such survival mode and I was just trying to get through every day because I was in so much pain and, and I didn't know what was going on. And I kept hoping things would get better. And, and so I think it was, I think those didn't, those were so suppressed because I didn't have the chance to do so. And then even in my recovery, I didn't have a chance and going back to school, like there was just never time to do that. And so I feel like I always laugh because I'm like, I feel like 11 year old Victoria could teach 26 year old Victoria a lot about uh, mindfulness and being calm. And, and, and so I think that was, was something where I was very shocked at how the hurricane hit, you know, 15 years later versus like at the time. And I feel like that unfortunately happens with a lot of trauma and with a lot of folks who, who deal with, um, with PTSD. Because when you say that you went into recovery mode, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, first of all, it was, well, I want to graduate at the same time as my brothers. Mm -hmm. That's kind of goal one. I want to walk again. Yeah. I want to, but it's also really cool if I'm in my wheelchair, because I can yeah. make that like everything was just anything's possible, but everything that exists already is amazing. Mm -hmm. So it was this, it was this really wonderful I guess it feeds back to what you were saying earlier about gratitude you were incredibly grateful for what you had but you were very open to there being a whole load of growth and progress yeah absolutely and I think for me I remember having this moment when I was when I was really really sick and I had been locked in for a very long time at this point and I remember my nose itched and I'm in a room full of doctors nurses my family and I'm laying there and I'm like, can someone just itch my nose? Can someone please? And the more you think about an itch, the itchier it gets. And I'm just like my nose and I couldn't move it. I couldn't do anything. Like I was like, this is torture. I was like, this is where it ends. Like, this is where I can't, this is my final straw. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, if I ever get the chance to be able to take my hand, lift it up, point my finger. I don't even care if I point my finger. I could take my whole hand and just smack my face. If I can just have that control to be able to scratch my nose, then I'm going to be so fortunate. I'm going to be so blessed. And I, I remember when I was writing my book, remembering that, and then being like, Oh my God, Victoria, like scratch your nose. Like if you ever need a reset button. And I remember I was speaking at an event like two, two and a half years ago, right before COVID. And there was like 20,000 people there. And I made everybody scratch their nose. And I basically said, I was like, if you're ever spinning out, if you're ever losing perspective, which happens to all of us, stop and scratch your nose and take in that simple yet amazing, wonderful ability that we have, because so many people don't have that ability. When you don't have that ability, you, you, will, you will literally like give up your soul for that ability and for, to be able to just have that freedom and independence. And so for me, that was a big part of that was like having that, having things rooted in gratitude. And even though like, yes, it wasn't ideal I was in a wheelchair. Well, I'm not in a hospital bed anymore. And my wheelchair is hot pink and I get great parking. And I was just one of those things where I was like, it's okay. Like my, the beautiful thing about my family, they never skipped a beat. So 
they very much like, all right, well, throw your wheelchair in the back. We're still going to go on vacation. We're still going to go do things. Like it was never like, oh, Victoria's in the wheelchair. Like my brother strapped on a scooter, strapped me onto their electric scooter and were pulling me around and didn't strap my seatbelt in. And I didn't have my core yet. And I went into a snowbank and they just picked me up, threw me back in and life went on. And so I think because of that too, it was very much like I'm alive. I'm here. I can scratch my nose. Like life is good. And I'm going to, and I'm going to make the most of what I do have. And, and that's not, you know, that that's not saying I, I didn't dream about walking. Of course I did, but I didn't get, I didn't sit there and be like, Oh, I'm in a wheelchair. I think the only time I felt that way was when I went back to school and I was bullied relentlessly for being in a wheelchair. That was the only time I felt, you know, I felt insecure or sad about being in a wheelchair because none of my friends cared. None of my family cared. It was very much like, all right, grab Victoria's wheelchair or we'll carry her like no big deal. I still can't, I can't get my head around kids bullying somebody who has spent four years locked in. Like what is wrong with you people? Let's let's leave that to one side. (laughs) You've said something that I find really interesting. And it was about that situation saying there's a difference between surrendering and Mm. giving in. Would you mind explaining that? Because I thought that was really, a really interesting observation. Yeah. I, so I think, and I think it's something we've all had to learn how to do even this last year is kind of not giving in, but almost surrendering to the situation and not in a way of, not in a way of giving up, but in a way of surrendering to allow what's meant to come and to not put up barricades. Cause I I think we all like all, I struggle with impatience and I struggle with like, I want this, I want that. And I'll hold on to it so tight and you almost put up a, a blockage. You almost put up a barrier of like, you're holding on to it so tight that you're not even allowing it to come to you. And so when I was really sick, like I wanted to survive, I wanted to get out, I wanted to get better, but I was almost holding on to that too tightly that I was getting in my own way about that. And I was getting in the way of that miracle to get into motion because everything, you know, we ask and pray for are all little miracles. We're all miracles. Everything we can turn on the light. That's a miracle. Like there's miracles everywhere. And I think for me, I had to surrender to the fact of this is where I'm at. This is the situation I'm in. It's not forever. It will get better. And that's, but you have to almost tell yourself that even if the circumstances aren't, but I had to tell myself that and was just like, it will get better, but I'm going to be grateful where I am right now. I'm home. I have my family. I'm in this hospital bed. I, my mom gave me bangs, even though that's something I still was probably more traumatic than the vegetative state. Um, but you know, that's another, that's a whole other level of trauma that we've yet to address. Um, but it's you know, <laughs> one of those things where, where it was just, it was, I was there and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm here and, and this is okay. And, and I will, you know, it's, it's surrendering, but not to the point of where you're not putting action behind it, but you've, you've set your intention. You've set, you know, I want to do this. I want to survive. But if I hold on saying I need to survive, I need to survive. Like if you, if it's this need and if it's this desperation, your ego gets in the way and then everything else gets in the way and then you put up this wall. So it's like, that's not going to come or that's not going to happen because you're almost getting in your own way. And so I remember, and I've had to do this a lot in my life where it's like, you set the intention of this is what I want to do, or this is what I believe I can do, or this is what I believe, you know, would love to happen or what I'm praying for to happen. And then you have to let it go you have to almost take it like throwing confetti Mm -hmm. and allow it to come to you because at the end of the day, like it's anything and everything, it's all energy. It's all what you put out and get back in. So if you're putting out this desperation need for something, it's, you're not going to get it. And Mm -hmm. so for me, for, I'll show you, like, I need to survive and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm here. I'm still alive. I intend to still be alive but I have to surrender. I have to surrender and trust. That's what, what's meant to be will be. And that, you know, my story doesn't end in defeat and that this storm that I'm in right now is temporary and it may last a couple months. It may last a year, but the storm is temporary. And so I'm going to put my pedal jumper shoot like boots on. I'm going to get my umbrella and I'm just going to kind of ride the storm and surrender to it and not fight it. And that's where, that's actually where I came up with my, my quote, face and embrace it to fight and conquer it. Because I'm like, I have to do something. And I was like, I need to face this situation and, and I need to face these challenges, but I need to embrace them. Mm-hmm. Because if you put up, if you put 
you know, and, and I, I'm, I can be very stubborn and, uh, and it's like, if you put up these, like, well, I don't want to embrace it. Like, this is crappy. I don't like it. Like, what about me? You're just throwing your ego in the mix and you're throwing in, you're putting up this unnecessary barrier that's not affecting anyone else. It's affecting you and you're putting, and so by embracing it, you almost have to take that challenge, take that obstacle and like hug it and kind of like, all right, you're here. You kind of suck, but you're here. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to like, I'm, I'm going to welcome you to the dinner table. I'm not going to give you the best seat in the house, but I'm going to welcome you to the dinner table. And ultimately that allows you to defy those odds because you know what you're dealing with. You know, Mm -hmm. it's there, but you know, it doesn't have a hold on you anymore. And then that ultimately allows you to conquer it. And so that was kind of something I developed early on where I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on, but I'm going to face this situation head on. I'm going to embrace it. I'm not going to run away from it. I'm not going to shy away from it. And, and then I'm ultimately going to defy what people think is going to happen or what should happen or what I'm capable of, or what this situation, you know, is going to do. And then I'm going to conquer it. And so I think that was a a big thing. So with the whole surrendering versus giving in, giving in, I mean, I have given in and it did not work out well. Um, But there's a difference between giving in because I feel like that's when you kind of sink in and you lose your power. But when you surrender as much as it sounds bad and it sounds like you're losing your power, you're actually allowing that power to be strengthened because you're surrendering, but you're allowing, you know, an even higher power to step in and be like, hey, I got you. Like, finally, let go, just let go and let my mom had on an on a note. She had just let go, let God. And she would always look at that because she wanted to fix it and all this stuff. And she was kind of like, OK, I need to She's like, I need to hand it over because like, I got nothing. I'm doing everything that I can. And so I think that that all goes hand in hand. Well, there's that famous saying, isn't there? Um, pick your battles. And so mm-hmm. surrender doesn't mean that you're giving up. It means that yeah. you're choosing not to fight that particular battle. Yeah. And it struck me as well, actually, when you don't have control, when you don't have agency, it seems that what you bring to the table is a mix of hope and trust. Mm-hmm. And when you do, you bring effort. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge, that's a huge thing is it's like you, you, have to have that hope you have to have that trust but you also have to be willing to put the work in and it's mm-hmm. not easy to do so and I think a lot of people it's funny I I've had a lot of folks ask whether it's how I got to ESPN how I you know won a gold medal or how I started walking or even how I emerged out of this four-year catatonic state and it all comes down to this refusal to give in and give up And this, yes, it was painful. Yes, it was frustrating. Yes, those six months felt like six years, but I showed up and I kept showing up. And I think that's the biggest thing is it's like, it's going to be uncomfortable, but anything that's worth anything in life isn't easy, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job or a situation or an achievement you want to achieve. If it's easy, it's probably not either what's best or what's going to have the most meaning in the long term. And so I think the easy way would have just been saying in my, in my, you know, vegetative state or kind of being like, well, I'm just so weak from all of this. I'm just going to surrender to like that. There's a different kind of surrender there. That's just very mm-hmm. much of like, I'm surrendering to my circumstances. No, you're surrendering to the things you want to have happen, the things you want to achieve, but you're not surrendering to the circumstances. If anything, you're going to kind of put one foot in front of the other. And even if you can't physically put one foot in front of the other, it's, it's taking that leap of faith and having that hope and, and mixing in that effort really allows you to have the best shot at overcoming and at achieving that great thing or getting through that really rough spot. It's funny. I was um, consolidating my research uh, on you this morning Mm -hmm. and earlier on previously to that, I had been writing an episode of the podcast, one of the solo shows And I had been talking about my goal setting Mm -hmm. and I had talked about the fact that where I had gone wrong in the past was by setting a timeline and having expectations about what I would achieve. And then I heard you talk about that where you were saying you can set a goal and then in your head you think, well, I should be able to do X, Y or Z by Mm -hmm. a certain date. And if it doesn't happen, you can begin to uh, sort of read failure into, into your efforts, even though you're still making a ton of progress. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's the, that's been something I've been working on um, (laughs) because I feel like 
I'm, you know, 26 and there's times where I'll just be, you know, I'll be like spinning out and feeling like I need to do more. I need to do all this stuff. And I don't stop and look at what I have done. And I think as women, we do that too. Mm -hmm. We put such expectations on all these different things. And I remember it was, um, there was a couple of folks more recently that said that and were like, do you realize like what you've done? Like the things you've done, like. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Vegetative state aside, walking aside, like the X, Y, and Z, and I was like, oh, yeah. And they're like, so why haven't you enjoyed that? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I guess I like, you know, there's this, you feel like if you don't reach that certain thing, if you don't do more, it's like this, you get into this vicious cycle. And I realized with me personally, that vicious cycle was feeling like I had to prove those doctors wrong. Mm. And I had to catch up and I had to show them that I'd, I'd become something. And I wasn't even enjoying the things that I had become become the thing that achieved the accolades I had earned. And I was very much like more that I do like, and it wasn't until COVID hit that all of a sudden I was, I, I kind of took a seat back. And then it was the people that I had in my life that started showing me exactly who I was and helping me see that. And versus like the superficial folks who want more, who want, mm-hmm. who want to use you for something. I really had realized who I could count on. And the people that were closest to me were the ones who were like, like, you're, you've got this, you've done it. Like you're doing it. You're on this path. And, and it's funny because when you allow that in, like not in an egotistical way, but when you actually start listening to what people have to say to people you trust Mm -hmm. and you're like, no, I did that. That is really cool. And I like, there was a show I hosted, um, a couple shows I hosted. And I remember my boss the other day, he said that to me, he goes, 26 year olds don't do this. Like people are 35 plus that are maybe in the queue to, to, to have a chance at this show and you did it and you're doing it. And I sat back and I was like, okay. And then I was like, no, like, thank you. Like, I'm like, and so it's like, you, you almost have to have that moment and, and, and like fail for me, like failure has the definition of failure. I had it so wrong for so long. Failure is when you don't try. If you try, if you show up, you've already won. Whether it's the outcome you wanted, you're still one step closer to that outcome versus if you didn't even try at all. And so I think it's it's understanding that. And then I always laugh because my mom has said this to me too. She goes, no one has knocked on your door and said, hey, have you done X, Y, and Z today? And are you doing X, Y, and Z? And have you achieved X, Y, and Z? She's like, no one's doing that. Like we're, we put ourselves on this rat race and not, and don't even real, like enjoy the ride that comes with it. And we put so much pressure. And, and I think that was the big thing too, is I'm like, just getting out of bed is a victory for everyone. Just breathing is a victory for everyone. Just walking, putting one foot on the ground is a victory for everyone. And so it's like, it's like, it's breaking it down where it's like, you don't have to, you know, my, my mentor has told me this. He's like, he's, Like you hop on the rocket ship and then you hop off the rocket ship and you take out the trash and that's good enough. And that's great. And he's like, it's the moment where you think you have to be on this rocket ship 24 seven, that something's wrong. 
and mm-hmm. that that's not success. That is an obsession with, with, a, with going after things, but never actually enjoying them and never actually embracing them. That's not success. That's an obsession with, you know, not like an ego, an ego driven world. And it's, and so it's like understanding that for me was like huge where I was like, ah, oh, okay. Like I need to be, but also it's who you surround yourself with. You want people that are going to cheer you on, pick you up when you fall down, but also at the same time, they'd be like, Hey, that was cool. So you need to like, understand that was cool. Like, don't yeah. play it cool and be like, ah, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I, well, I didn't do this, this, and this, but you still did that. And that's like what I try to tell people. So I was like, that's like, like, I, I always get so like, like, I don't even know how to respond. I, I always get so just like kind of taken aback to like, well, I haven't done all that you've done. And I was like, you still got out of bed today. Like, don't compare. I, I'm just as bad at comparing. And I'm like, no, like you have your own, your own pot of chili of success. And I have my pot of chili of success. And it's delicious chili either way. Cause it's chili. Who doesn't love chili? <laughs> and so it's like one of those things where it's like, it's like stir your own pot, stir your own pot, like in, let people throw in some spices and stuff along the way, but, but stir your pot and understand that no one's, no one is actually comparing you and no one is going to be knocking on your door telling you that you're not doing X, Y, and Z and that you're not good enough. And the people that are really don't matter. Mm. It's almost like when someone says, oh, wow, Victoria, you've done this. Yeah. Do you find that you want to say yes, but, or yes, and, and then sort of tell them the next thing? Yes. I always, I, oh, I know. I always, um, that happened to me the other day. I was, I was filming a show in the morning. I had a show premiering that night that I'd filmed over the summer. And I was like in this and I was doing present in between. I was like, okay, but I got to do this, this, and this. And then I was like, no, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a cup of tea and enjoy this moment and enjoy what I've done. And so I feel like I used to do that a lot more. And now I'm, I'm working at being like, thank you. Like, yes, that it's really cool and like enjoying it versus like waiting for the next thing because it's almost along the lines of waiting for the shoe to drop Mm. and it's like that's not healthy just like it isn't healthy embracing exactly where you are and who you are and what because that is good enough and that is you are exactly where you need to be and I I never believe people when they would say that and then looking back whether it's I achieved something later on and was like oh I wanted that back then and now I'm here but like, I look back and as much as there's times where, and even in my journey too, I'm like, had that happened when I prayed for it to happen or when I thought it would happen or when I thought that would be successful or be it would have been a burden, not a blessing and would have been something that I probably wasn't ready for. And, and so it's just, it's really interesting when you almost have to kind of sit back and not lounge, but, but kind of trust that everything's working the way it needs to be and to enjoy the ride because mm-hmm. I know firsthand that that ride can get bumpy and you can be completely thrown from the vehicle and then get back in and and keep going. And so it's just enjoying that ride, but enjoying all the things that come with it. Cause the fact that we're alive, the fact that we can have this conversation right now is a victory and is a huge, is a huge thing and a beautiful thing and a thing to be celebrated. You know what I mean? And, And so I think that's the, that's been a big thing I've been working on too. Cause I feel like we all tend to have that want to keep going, want to keep going. And, and I think when you go through what I go through, there's an extra, I got to keep going and I want to keep going. I'm going to prove them all wrong. And it's like, I've already proved them wrong. Like, I think I can go to bed at, you know, a decent time or, or not take a million things and be, you know, go, go, go constantly. And so, or the other day, my nephew, I was on, I was on the boat and he just fell asleep in my arms. And it was just, we were driving, my dad was driving the boat, my mom, my sister, we were all just out there and he's just asleep in my arms and he was holding my hand. And I was like, this is exactly where I need to be right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to be, I, this is exactly, and this is enough. And this is just what I need. And so I think it's taking that moment to, as I, especially now, I think we all just want to jump in and jump out and keep going. And so I think it's taking those moments and, and embracing those, those mini miracles, if you will. It sounds as though you don't have, I've never heard you say, and I certainly haven't got the sense from speaking to you now, <laughs> that you wish it hadn't happened. But I do wonder, do you ever wish sometimes that it wasn't your story? Because I, you've said something really wonderful about 
Oh, I found this really interesting, I should say, about no one gives you a manual for being a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like standing on your own as Victoria, who has achieved all of these things, mm. as as opposed to Victoria, who went through all of these things. Does that, does that make sense? This kind of yeah. thing of pe- people hear this story and then they add their own tapestry to what happened to you, their own narrative, mm-hmm. I guess, and then project that onto you. Do you, do you find that? Yeah, <laughs> I do actually. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting because I, I wouldn't choose it, but I wouldn't change it. Mm. There's maybe a few things. Um, there's a few chapters in my book that I wish I didn't have to write and I wish I didn't have to um, relive and, and continue to deal with. Um, but I, I think who I am today is, is a direct result of that. But I do, it's interesting because no one's ever asked me that. And, uh, and I, I appreciate that because I think for me, I, I, and I think this was more so when I was dealing with my PTSD a lot worse. Um, there was a lot of anxiety and depression that came with it, but I wasn't allowed to be that way in public. You know, like I couldn't, I was this miracle. I was this inspiration. I was on TV. I had all these things going for me. I was so lucky. And if you, if anyone ever says that around my family, they like want to throw up. They're like, mm-hmm. you were, you were not lucky. Like no one would pay the price of where you are. Uh, no one would pay the price that you've had to pay to get to where you are. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of people forget that. And I don't ever want pity and I don't ever want people to know that, but there are times where I'm like, where people are like, Oh, I want, I want to do this. I want to be you know, there, you're so lucky. And it's like, yeah, but no one would pay the price and no one knows the, the things I've had to deal with as a result of that. Um, but I do, it's funny. I do. I, I, I really, I really have trouble being called an inspiration because I feel like my story is my story. And if it saves one life, if it helps people, that's great. And that's actually why I wrote my book. I didn't want to write it, but I knew I was like, I want to set the story straight this is my story. And I want to close the book and move on with my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I do talk about my story, but it's, it's definitely shifted more, but I never want to be typecasted as that inspiration. Like I have, you know, my career and my job and, and I am quite a bit, you know, um, away from it where it's not like it just happened yesterday or, you know, two years ago. And so I think it's finding that balance. And I do, it is hard. It's hard reliving. I think I've had to, um, even with my team, like shift that and be like, guys, like, this is what I will do and what I won't do when it comes to, you know, speaking and, and shifting it a little bit more. Cause I've changed, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, the same person I was a few years ago when I was still in my chair, when I was swimming. And so I think it's, it's embracing who I am now. And I have a whole different voice than I did prior to, you know, even a couple of years ago and even this last year, you know, finding my voice. And so that is a hard, a hard, um, cape to wear because it's not one that I ever asked for slash could ever feel like I could take off. Mm -hmm. And so I think it, it took, you know, it took a lot of breakdowns and a lot of, you know, starting to ask for help. And then my mom just saying, it's okay to not be okay. And I was like, yes, but everyone is expecting me to be okay. Every, I can look back at shows, moments, shoots where I'm like, you know, and, and, and I know I'm like, you know, I'm going into my dressing room or my trailer and just crying and losing it. And so I think it's one of those things that it's, it's embracing that, but I, I, I think it was something that I didn't, ex- I mean, no one expected all of this to happen. No one expected, I didn't expect, I mean, I dreamed about it, but then I was like, oh, this is happening. Like, this is real. And <laughs> I continue. I'm like, oh, this is, yep this is, this is literally happening. And so I think it's finding that balance. And and I think also for me is prioritizing, you know, self-care for myself and, and being able to, you know, before it was constantly giving that and and it was a constant, you know, give, and and I was always kind of draining my batteries. And so it's learning to find that balance and learning to take that time that, okay, you know what, it's raining. I need to get my umbrella. I need to have a little, you know, I need to have a moment and, and kind of balance that out because it is a lot and it is a lot to bear even in your 20s are weird as they are as it is but then you throw all of that too and, and you're basically having to you know and inspire and, and motivate people twice your age triple your age you know at different thing at different points in my speaking and stuff too so it's been interesting I think that's one thing that I always like say to my mom I was like I never want to be an inspiration like I'm glad I can help people 
but I want it to be more than just like, oh, you're so inspiring. Like, it's like, oh, that's cool. Or that's like, it's finding that balance. Well, I think you would be a source of inspiration regardless of the circumstances, because you seem to have an incredibly positive mindset. You seem to have incredible focus and you, yeah. you've said, I love this uh, turn of phrase, the power of your dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, if you dream it, it, it does seem to come around. It does. And sometimes you're like, oh, oh, there it is. <laughs> Or you're like, where did you come from? Well, yeah, I asked for this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, there is power to that, but it's, are you putting, you know, are you putting fuel to that power and allowing yeah. that power to happen? I'm glad you said that because uh, manifesting and this whole idea As, of, you know, uh, what is it? Ask, believe, receive. Mm-hmm. I, I understand it, but I have said on this podcast before it takes out hard work, mm-hmm. uh, like, asking yourself the difficult questions like, am I really good at this thing? Where can I improve? It takes out diligence, focus, time, consistency, all of those things, which I think is the secret sauce. I mean, it's not so secret, is it? Yeah. But I do feel like those are the ingredients that you add to the mix. You mm. you have your dreams, but you make the necessary steps to make them real. You don't just put them out in the ether. No, I think there's a balance. I think you obviously, like for me, I could manifest that I want to go to the moon, but I'm also not in that because I'm not in a, I think you have to be in a position of that, but you also have to be open. The big thing I found is you have to be open to what doors open and to not be afraid to walk into them. But when you walk into them being prepared, Mm -hmm. like I don't, you know, when I go into a meeting, I'm not going in with nothing, nothing on you know, on the docket that I've done or that I've earned to get into that meeting. Like, I don't just go in there and like, put me on the show. Like I go in there where I'm like, I've done X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm doing now. I feel like I'm in a really good position, but I set that attention months ago, but I didn't, I, I set the intention, put the manifestation out there, but didn't focus on the how I didn't, mm-hmm. I just knew I have to do, this is what I can do right now. And I have to hope, believe, and trust that that's going to only fuel what's going to happen. And so I think for a lot of it with me, I feel like I manifested before I even knew what manifesting was and really then started dialing into it. But with that, I never didn't work hard towards something. I never didn't, you know, I, I, I manifested being on ESPN for a very long time from like a hospital bed. But when it came down to job shadowing, getting into doors, I was knocking on doors. I was taking the the meetings. I was having the conversations. When I had that opportunity, I was meeting with coaches. I was working with, I was learning as much as I could. And so I feel like that's the biggest thing too, is like set it, like set it, you know, surrender it. Don't focus on the how, because I feel like the how almost stops you from doing what you can in that moment. Mm -hmm. So the how will happen. It's going to happen. If you have a talent, if you have a goal, if you have a dream, but if you're not putting in the work towards that, with the intention of getting there, then the how is never going to happen. But so many people get stuck on the how. Well, how is that going to happen? I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know this is what I can do. Mm-hmm. I know this is where I implanted. And so I'm going to put myself on the best street to get to my destination. And I don't know when I'll get to that. I don't know what kind of car is going to pick me up, but I know I'm on the street and I know I'm going to start walking towards it. That, does that make sense? Mm. And speaking of walking, actually, it, it reminds me of the, the physical recovery mm-hmm. of we know with any kind of physical pursuit, if you have any kind of physical goal, whatever it might be, it is not linear. You just have to keep putting in that consistent yep. effort to get to where you want to be. And there are times on that journey when it will be quite demoralizing because maybe you won't have made the progress that you wanted to make. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, uh, the first week we opened up project walk, I, um, I literally went home and I was crying to my mom and I was like, shut it down. And she was like, what? And all the other clients there were, were, um, were were getting progress and there was nothing in my legs. And I remember telling her, I was like, there's nothing going on in my legs. Like I've never felt so defeated. I've never felt like there's just nothing there. And the doctors, you know, were right. I'm never going to walk again. And I remember my trainer, you know, he asked, he's like, you know, what are your goals? And I just jokingly it was a joke, but it wasn't a joke. And I was like, I want to walk in high heels. 
Like, I want to put stilettos on. I want to be able to throw stilettos on with any outfit and just walk. I was like, I want to go to the grocery store in stilettos. Like, I just like, I, I just said it. I said it and I meant it, but I also didn't know how that was going to happen. And so he's like, okay. And very much. And I think it's also finding people that don't find your dreams crazy and don't find your goals crazy and that don't talk you out of it and don't let their own insecurities and their own things come in and talk you out of it. Like you want people in your life, whether it's a significant other family, friends, you want people that are like, all right, like, like, let's do it. Like I'm in, like, what do you, what do you need from me? I'm just going to cheer you on and I'll be here. You know, I'll pick you or like, and we'll pick you up when you start to doubt yourself. And so you want that tribe because anyone that tells you that you can't do it, or here's why I can't, you don't want them in your circle and you don't want to tell them your dreams because they will indirectly put up a barricade. Oh, they will put up an energetic barricade that will literally stop you from achieving that and indirectly trip you up. And so you want the, you want the road clear. You don't want roadkill. You don't want to, you don't want traffic, but that's all going to cause traffic. And so having like my trainer, John be like, okay, he's like, well, we got to start with getting you out of this chair first and sitting you up and then we'll work on standing. And, and he just every day, no matter the mental, cause it was a roller coaster. He was like, he was like, you're here, you have a job to do. So show up. He's like, you showed up. So I'm showing up. He goes, but if you don't show up for me, then how am I going to show up for you? And everyone around me just believed in that. And then even as I started getting a little more mobile, like my family pushed me with that. They believed in that. My friends believed in that. Like it wasn't, there was never, oh, let's get her chair. Like they were like, all right, Victoria, a few more steps, like a few more steps or, oh no, like my brother got married on the side of a mountain and I had my leg, I had these giant force leg braces and it started to rain and they rusted. So I got stuck. And my family was like, come on, Victoria, get up the stairs. Like, yeah. And then they're picking me up and I'm like the little tin man. But it was like one of those things where like, I didn't sit in my chair. Like we were like, nope, we're going to do it. Like I'm going to be up. I want to be up for this wedding. And, and so it's, I think with all of that and with the physical recovery, especially it's just a mindset. It's a mindset because your body will follow. And for me, like I knew deep, deep down, like I was gonna, I was going to walk. I was going to stand. I didn't know how, I didn't know when. Um, I for sure didn't think it was going to happen when it did, but I just showed up and I was like, I have people showing up. I'm going to show up too. And that goes back to having that tribe mm-hmm. of anyone that's going to talk you out of it in the nicest possible way. You kind of have to put them on a different road. Don't let them on your path to success because they'll just create a barricade or they'll just add traffic. Like, you know, when you're driving and just traffic out of nowhere happens, yeah, yeah. that's how I feel like when people start to doubt your dreams or get in the way of that. It's just unnecessary traffic jam. And like, so, oh, sorry, what were you saying? No, no I was just going to say, it's like um, traffic reports where they say sheer yeah. weight of traffic. It's slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's literally what it is. And so it's like clear the traffic and clear the runway for the takeoff. And so I think with the physical thing, it was a huge mental thing, but it's also like taking those tiny miracles. Like anyone, when my right hip flexor flickered, like anyone would be like, well, it's just a flicker. You're not moving your leg. And we're like, yeah, but it's a flicker. Just like when I started blinking, people were like, well, she's just blinking. Like she's not talking. And it's like, yeah, but she's communicating. And so it's, it's mindset. It's shifting that just like if someone, you know, is deployed or, or is overseas or something and they're gone for eight, nine months, you could go and be like, well, they're gone. They're never coming back or they're gone. Or you're like, all right, it's eight months. Like, figure it out. We'll just embrace this. And, and that same with when I was sick, you know, like when I was in that vegetative state, all right, well, a couple more months, a couple, like I got through another day. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's breaking those things down and shifting your perspective. Cause otherwise you will literally poison your poison yourself. And it's, it's not easy to do because I feel like we naturally revert to, Oh, what was me? Oh, this is so bad. Oh, this is, we want to just jump ship because that's a little, it's uncomfortable, but yet comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of an uncomfortable comfort. But when you just kind of man the ship a little bit longer, you're like, actually, this isn't so bad. It's wavy, but like, I think we'll get there. And you do get there. And then you, it's so much, you have just such an appreciation for it. Mm. And it's even, I mean, I referenced the physical recovery, but let, I mean, let's look at your job. You work in the media. I've worked in the media for over 20 years. It's a tough industry. It's really competitive. It is hard to get into. And you might have aspirations of being, 
I mean, for you uh, being a sportscaster, but you yeah. have to start with maybe getting a byline on an online article or mm-hmm. just shadowing somebody. But those, and then they're not what the dream feels like and they're not what the yeah. dream looks like, but they are part of the dream. Yes, absolutely. And they're, they're almost, um, they're almost ingredients to the dream. And you can't, you can't, you don't ever want to build a house on a sand, on sand, you know, on a sand base, you want to set that foundation, but foundations take time. Foundations Mm. take, you have to keep showing up, filling it in a little bit more, show up again, filling it a little bit more, shaping it. And so I think for me, that whole year I job shadowed at ESPN, I was 19, too young, too experienced. You don't get started at ESPN. Like everyone told me why it wouldn't work out. And I was like, that's okay. Like I'll strap a wagon to the back of my wheelchair. I just want to learn. And I found, I found really great confidants that allowed me to learn from them. And sure enough, it was two people that just took a shot on a 20 year old in a wheelchair. And we're just like, we want to give you a shot. And it was all the foundation work that I had set. All those people helped me build that house. That is my career today. Mm. But that foundation was just knocking on the door, showing up. It may not be the the job. You may not have that nice car. You may not have all of that, but you're setting that foundation work and it's dirty. It's not easy. It's, it's rough and dirty. And you're kind of like, Oh, like this is not like they're jackhammering that part of the foundation. And they're trying to lay that part of the foundation and all that person's stuck in the foundation. Like <laughs> it's not pretty, but then at the same time, when you have that foundation, you, it's solid mm. versus if I had, you know, at 19, they're like, here's my phone, go ahead. I would have blown it. Absolutely blown it. But because I had that time, time to set that foundation. It's allowed me where I am today to have that, to build a floor each time. And that is what I find really inspiring. It's just the continued work and building on progress. And yeah. I mean, I could talk to you for another three hours, but I'm very mindful that you have to get, we literally can, we could talk for a few more minutes. I like love talking with you. So like, this is too much fun. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. No, it is, it is such an interesting story. And I think that what you are doing now is incredible. And obviously listeners, you would have heard in the introduction, I've shared many of Victoria's accomplishments. Um, so I guess if we have a couple more minutes, you know what I would love, which would be amazing because hopefully, uh, anyone listening to this will understand that whilst obviously we've told your story specifically, uh, it transposes quite nicely to anybody who might find themselves in a situation Mm -hmm. that they don't want to be in, or they're feeling stuck in some way in life, because your advice is so helpful. Do you have, um, do you have a nice sign off or if someone's listening to this and maybe they're not where they want to be in life, do you have anything that you would like to say to them to help them get them get to where they want to be? Absolutely. I, um, I always kind of, I always like to say the toughest climbs have the prettiest views, but with that, it's, that's like my, that's something I tell myself all the time where I'm like, okay, like any, anything you're trying to achieve, whether it's, it's, you know, and it can be anything. It doesn't have to be your career. It can be a relationship, motherhood. It could be fatherhood. It could be anything like that. Your, or your health or any challenges is those tough climbs have the most beautiful views. And the ones who just walk up a hill and get there, they don't have an appreciation for that view. They don't have that strength. There's, there's power to the pain that you go through. And it's when you find that power, because it does happen, you find that power and you're like, whoa, I would not be, I'm not who I once was. And I'm never going to go back to that person. And I always laugh because I'm like, you can be at rock bottom in the top of the mountain at the same time. It's just Mm -hmm. where you're looking are you looking up or are you looking down? And for me, like I'm a frequent flyer at rock bottom bill and I have been, but at the same time, it's, are you looking up? Or are you looking down? And so it's, it's shifting that view, but also realizing like, if you're in the middle of that climb, keep climbing because the view's worth it. Mm, I love that. That's, <laughs> that's so perfect. A perfect note on which to end. Um, thank you so much for your time. Listeners, the links to Victoria, Victoria's book, her social media, everything. <laughs> you might possibly want to find out about Victoria. The links will be in the show notes. But Victoria Arlen, thank you so much for being on the Emma Gunn Show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. 
If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Bye.